Thank you, Ben. Good morning, New Hope. It's good to see you. If you'd like to take out your outlines, which you would have got when you came in the door, we're in part one of 40 Days of Community, Why We Need Each Other. Now today I want to share with you a radical concept, a countercultural message, and it's the exact opposite of what you've been taught most of your life. But if you'll live God's way, you can overcome the pain of depression. You can overcome despair. Hope can replace fear. Straight after the service today, my wife and I are going to a funeral of a 27-year-old girl who did not have this. This is real. There are people around you that are in... that are. Full of despair, full of discouragement. And sometimes, if you get to that place, there ends up being no hope. And you only see one way out. Well, friends, I'm here to tell you today, there is an answer for this. And it's about the concept of community. See, Kiwi culture idolizes independence. You know, and they effectively say, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. You know... They want to live their life like the old proverbial, very bad theologian, Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. <laughs> you know, I did it my way. Leave me alone. Friends, Kiwis are born into the myth that happiness comes from independence. Well, the truth is, not that myth, the truth is, happiness comes from interdependence. And it's almost unkiwi to think that these days. Friends, this is the truth. God created you for community, not to be a lone ranger. And we need each other. The first verse on the outline there says this, from Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. This arm, for example, can't say it doesn't belong to this body. Now look in this finger. Or this toe. We belong to each other. Each of us need all the others. Now that is the truth of God's word. Forget culture. Now, uh, just a quick phrase here I want to put in your mind. Christ always trumps culture. Doesn't matter what the culture. Doesn't matter whether it's Hispanic, Indian, Pakistani, Kiwi, Aussie. Doesn't matter. Christ always trumps culture. And this is what he says. Since we're all one body, we belong to each other. There's that connectivity. Each of us needs all the others. If you don't believe that, you're saying, I don't believe you, God. And that's very audacious and a dangerous place to be. So whether you feel it or not, God created you for community. And it is necessary. Community is necessary for you to live the life that God planned for you. He doesn't create you in this way and expect you to live a different way. That's what I'm trying to get across here. So at New Hope, along with about another 35 million people, participated some years ago in a campaign called 40 Days of Purpose, or the Purpose Driven Life. And the big idea there was that God has put you on this planet for five purposes, five reasons. Now, I don't know about you, but the moment I learned about that, I wanted to know what those five purposes were. And then so I could fulfill them. Because you're not just put here to consume resources, to work, 
to retire and die. But you're here to fulfill those five purposes. Now here's a point. It requires others to do that. We need each other and we belong to the body of Christ. So for the next 40 days, we're going to focus on the greatest lesson in life. And that is learning how to love. For example, why do relationships go bad? How did that girl end up coming from a loving family to losing hope? There's a continuum that people go down. How do marriages that start off so well end up going so bad? We're going to look at that. How does God use other people in our lives to make us what he wants us to be and to fulfill the purposes he wants to accomplish in our lives. So today, as an introduction, we're going to look at why we need each other. Why we need God's family, and specifically five reasons why you and I, I'm actually going to be in two small groups, need to be connected to each other in a small group. Number one, if you're taking notes, I need each other's, I need others to walk with me. To walk with me. That is to grow spiritually. I need others to help me grow. I need others to walk with me. The Bible says here, just as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. And God has created us to walk together in him. The Bible, as many of you know, talks often about your spiritual life as your spiritual walk, right? You've heard that phraseology. Why? Because it's a journey. You go from your point A to point B to point C, going along this direction. And God never intended you to ever walk through life alone. Nothing to do with whether you're married or whether you're single. You see, you can be single and have a meaningful sense of community in your life. Conversely, you can be married and be desperately lonely. Did you hear that? So marriage alone does not solve the issue. Community does. And some of you may say today, well, Pastor Jim, what's wrong with walking alone? I actually prefer it. Well, there are three benefits of walking with others through your life. And I haven't put those in your outline, but number one, it's safer. There's safety in numbers. There's less risk. Ever walk through a dark alley late at night? (laughs) It's a whole bunch better. I've walked through a, a prison before with a whole bunch of rather interesting guys around me uh, out there, but around me was a whole bunch of uh, Christians who uh, got lots of tattoos and burly, so I felt a lot safer. It was better to walk through in the middle of all of them than on the outside. Number two, it's, it's more supportive. It keeps you from giving up. If any of you have ever done any, like a marathon or a triathlon or anything like that, You know, and all of a sudden you get that jabbing pain in your side or something hurts and being tempted to quit. Boy, I know I have. But running with others keeps you going. It's more encouraging. There's a Zambian proverb that says, when you run alone, you can run fast, but when you run together, you run far. See, it's no good starting out fast and not getting to the end. It doesn't matter how fast you start. You could be the fastest by a country mile, but if you don't finish, it doesn't count. If it doesn't finish, if you don't finish, it doesn't count. doesn't matter how fast you start. And number three, it's smarter. You learn more by working with us. The Bible says this clearly. It is not good for man to be alone. Genesis 2.18. And this is in the perfect environment. 
before sin entered into the world, he still said it is not good for man to be alone. So what's God's antidote for loneliness? He created two groups, your physical family and your spiritual family. Now your physical family will only last for maybe 80, 90 years. Your spiritual family will go on to eternity. And God's plan for your life involves his spiritual family, which will outlast your physical family. So here's an interesting verse in Hebrews 10.25. It says, let us not give up the habit. That's something you regularly of meeting together. Instead, on the other hand, let's encourage one another. So you may want to write there at the side, community is God's answer to loneliness. Community is God's answer to loneliness. If this little lass at 27 years old had had a good community, she wouldn't have gotten to that state. So we were created for community, and that's where you can practice love. Now, when I talk about community, this, even here today, this is more of a crowd. It's not a community. What you need to walk through life is, is a small group of believers. And look at this verse here. This is how it functioned in the New Testament, a small group. When each of you gather, when you gather, each one of you, that means you and 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 you. When you gather, each one of you prepares something useful for all. Somebody sing. Sing a hymn in this case. Somebody else teach a lesson. Somebody else maybe tell a story or lead a prayer or provide an oversight. So take your turn with no one person taking over. That way you learn from each other. Now that sort of application of that verse can only happen in a small group. Only happen in a small group. Setting. You get small group community and you get large group worship. And that was a difference that happened. You see, the Bible even talks about this. It says they met in the temple courts as a big group, and they met from house to house. They did both in the New Testament. That's a New Testament pattern. And I'm interested in being biblically, biblically correct there. As the Christians, we're part of the body. As each part does its work. So every part has a role. It helps the others grow. Now, if each part doesn't do its part, the body doesn't grow. So when it does, Christ's whole body is healthy and is growing and full of love. Now I want to write out a statement out the side here. Just a little statement. It says this, I can't grow without others. I can't grow without others. Why is that? Because life is about relationships. During the 40 days of community, I want to encourage 100% of you to test drive or to get in or to start a small group for six weeks because you cannot learn community without being in community. Now in your group, there's going to be four benefits. Number one, you'll get to watch the six Better Together videos, which is going to go through all the better togethers or the one another's. On relationships. Uh, and that'll start, by the way, if you haven't got your book already, your devotional book, you can pick one up at the back because it starts today. 
uh, or get it through your group leader. Second, you'll get a, a, a key ring where you can just hang those tags on. It's got a scripture for each of the week, and you can pick up your small group right at the back. The fact is, you could host a group for four or five people in your home too. And the Bible encourages this in 1 Peter 4.9. Open your homes to each other without complaining. Open your homes to each other. So in other words, invite some friends. And everybody has a longing for belonging. There are people that need your input. And if you want to do that today and host a group, just write and host on your card. Because you were made for relationships. And here's a small secret. The people will benefit most is the host will grow the most in this next, in this next 40 days. Now, I realize that some of you have left it till the last moment, but straight after the service, if you go to the community center at the back, you can pick up and you can join a group for six weeks. So that's the first reason to get in a group. We need people to walk with us. The second reason why we need to be in a group is I need people, others, to work with me. I need others to work with me. In other words, it is better together. And in ministry, God has, uh, the ministry God has for me involves other individuals. The Bible says this here in Ephesians 2, chapter 10. God made us to do good works. Whoa. Which he planned in advance for us. Notice the plural. For us to live our. Notice the plural. Our. It's joint. To, to, in advance for us to live our lives doing. So he made us to do those good works. And God tells us why we need to work to each, together. Because two people are better than one. Yesterday, Nathan, oh, down the back in our section, fixing up a drain. And there's no way in God's green, I thought I could do this by myself. We had to bend this pipe and jam something in and tap something with some concrete. And it was impossible to do by myself. But with others, it's better. Two people are better than one because they can get more done by working together. That's the truth of God's word. Plus, it's more fun. We have a lot of laughs and it's less tiring <laughs> when you work with others. One of the graphic illustrations I saw was in the United States. There's a special place where they train the military. It's called West Point. It's the premier institution. And there you can see how they feed, listen to this, ladies, and men, you need to pay attention to this too. They feed 4,000 people in 15 minutes. That's impressive. 4,000 people in 15 minutes. And they do that three times a day. That's impressive to watch. How do they do that? Because everybody works together. See, God has called Christians to serve it's in the fabric of his church. A non-serving Christian is a contradiction of terms. That's actually just a consumer. But God didn't create you to be a consumer. He created you to be a contributor to his work and to his army. See, some people, for example, have got in the back of their minds people like Mother Teresa. And there's a myth around Mother Teresa, and it goes like this. Mother Teresa was all by herself serving in Calcutta. Anybody who knows anything about what went on there knows that it is total rubbish. She had an army of volunteers and people that worked alongside her to accomplish the ministry in the community. She wasn't doing that all by herself. As I said even last week, snowflakes are frail, but enough of them sticking together can stop a freeway. Together, we make a difference, each doing our little bit. 
So you may want to write there on the side of your uh, outline there, community is God's answer to fatigue. Community is God's answer for fatigue. By yourself it gets lonely and it's hard. One of the beautiful illustrations I've seen here in New Zealand is when Habitat for Humanity, which is a group of Christians, get together and they will build a house in a single day for a worthy family. And how, do they, how is it possible to build a house in a single day? Everybody pitches in. Everybody does something. The Bible says in Galatians 6.10, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. In other words, our church family. Now, fairly soon, in the weeks ahead, as part of 40 Days of Community, you're going to get an opportunity to work together in groups. We all are. To work together in groups. For, for example, one of the um, ministries that we're looking at now spends time helping protect and feed and clothe and, and house abused children and abused women. And we're going to get some chance to get connected in that as a group, as a team, with all of us doing different parts. And Lee and, and Robert and, and another Robert and, and Glenn are working on putting that together for us so we can work together in small groups to help those worthy people. Some of the least of these that the Bible talks about. Now, everybody will be able to help regardless of age or stage. And I encourage you, if you have children, involve them. Involve them because it's good for them to see. It gives them some greater perspective. And if I had my time to do again, I would involve more of my children. Not just me do a missions trip. I've taken some of my kids on missions trips. But I would have done more things to show them what it's really like out there for people who end up in very sticky wickets. And how we can help them. And it's good to see mum and dad leading the charge there. So you can keep an eye out on the e-bulletin and Facebook for the details of that. And you'll be, your small group leaders will let you know about that. So I need, firstly, people to walk with me through life and people to work with me through life. But also, I need others to watch out for me in life. I need others to watch out for me. To warn me. I've had multiple meetings this week with different folks who are in sticky wickets, as we say in England the difficult situations, and sometimes it helps have other people adding some perspective and some godly advice into that. I need other people to help defend me and protect me and to help me stay on track. The Bible says this in Philippians 2.4. It says, look out. So Greek word skopos, like, you know, check it out. Look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. So here's a good question, a good warrant of fitness check. Last week, was there any portion of your week focused on somebody else's interest, not just your own. And I'm not talking your own families even. Let's sans your family. Because the Bible says, look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. Because the great danger in the Kiwi culture is everything's wrapped up with me and there's no time left for anybody else. That is not God's will for our lives. Perhaps I'm pursuing some goals and objectives too hard because what typically happens is we focus on our finances or focus on something else or our assets or our maintenance. So there's absolutely zero time left for anything else. That is an imbalanced life. Look out for one another's interest, not just for your own. I know one thing around our neighborhood, and maybe you've got it around yours. 
we still have some signs that say neighborhood watch. You may have seen some of those signs around. And it's a sort of sign that people around this place keep an eye on each other's interests and especially each other's stuff when they go away. You know, you go on vacation, you say, hey neighbor, I'm going away for a week or two. Can you please watch my stuff? Huh? Maybe you've seen that. Question, do you have anybody in your life that watches out for your soul? Or is the stuff more important than the soul? The fact is we all have blind spots. Some things you just can't see. In fact, when my wife and I first got married, <laughs> I had a name. She used to call, she'd just say to me, Woody. And go, Woody what? She's Woody Woodpecker. Because I used to go to bed and I'd get up and my hair was sticking up like a fan at the back. And of course, I couldn't see that. <laughs> and she'd go, good morning, Woody. What's it? Especially if it was going out the, uh, going out the door. And, of course, sometimes men don't look in the mirror. Well, I don't. Not much. <laughs> and she, ah, hello. We're going to see you. <laughs> so the point is that some things only other people can see. And it's good for them to warn you about those before you make a fool of yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard today about somebody nearly having an accident because they didn't have the taillights out. You know, the taillights were, were, were not working properly. Somebody should tell you about that. Or if you've got cabbage stuck in your teeth. <laughs> Tell the person. <laughs> the Bible says in Hebrews 13.1, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should be. Don't get so desensitized and overwhelmed with your own situation that you cannot fulfill that verse. Because otherwise, that's going towards selfishness, not to going towards love. Because everything's all focused on me and myself and ours. It says keep. It's, if you look at the Greek there, it's all about be vigilant. Now, vigilant has got a sense of urgency to it. In fact, in a war, everybody takes turn on sanctuary duty. That means whilst all, most of the troops are snoozing, a few of you are up. Keep and watch. That's what it means to be vigilant. To make sure that the enemy is not going to attack us. And do you know that you have an enemy? And he wants you to stop doing what is right, what is God's will. He wants you to do what's your will, what you think's right. The selfishness that so easily betangles each one of us. The fact is Satan fights with arsenals of habits that you cannot break. That's how he'll fight you. He'll fight you with hurts that you just can't seem to get over. He'll fight you with hang-ups. He'll fight you with depression and despair and discouragement. These are the weapons of the soul that can paralyze and immobilize. And he tries to ensure that you feel defeated. Some people try to fight them on your own, on, the, on their own strength. I think that's a really stupid thing to do. The Bible says here, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Two can stand back to back and conquer. Three, now he's starting to get to a small group, are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now my question to you is, is anybody looking out for you spiritually? And the, the other side of that is this. Are you looking out for anybody else spiritually? That's the unselfish part. I want you to write out there, at the side there, community 
is God's answer to defeat. Community. Community is God's answer to defeat. And this is what the Bible says. If one person falls, and all of us fall at one stage or another, another can reach out and help. But the people who are alone, when they fall, they're in real trouble. When that girl fell this week, she was in real trouble and there was nobody to reach out and help her. Friends, some problems in life only get tackled when you have a pack of you on it. Team tackling. It needs multiple people. So I need people to walk with me. I need people to work with me. And I need people to watch out for me. Number four. I need others to wait and weep with me. To wait and weep with me. Both of these are very anti-Kiwi. But they are biblical. They wait for me while I'm waiting for the bad news. And they weep with me when I get the bad news. That's what real love does. To help me through the inevitable crises in life. There are some situations, friends, that you should never, ever have to face alone. One of them is waiting in hospital for a very risky surgery. You should never have to be there by yourself. Another one is waiting for a lab report on a serious pregnancy problem. You shouldn't have to be alone for that. Neither should you be alone standing by a fresh graveside. You shouldn't be alone the first night after your husband or wife dies. And it will happen. You should not be alone the first night after your wife or your husband walks out. Now the fact is, some of these things that I've just mentioned, just right now, will happen to you in your life. And it's foolish not to have a support network in place now. At some point in life, you will have a life-shaking crisis. And none of us know when it will hit. But the time to prepare is now. So God's safety net is a group of believers who are committed to you and you are committed to them. It's not reasonable to expect them to be committed to you if you're not committed to them. The Bible puts it this way. This is how He sees his family very clearly. You should be like one big family full of sympathy towards each other. Sympathy. Empathy towards each other. Now here's here's another part of God's plan from his word. If one member suffers, all suffer together. Sometimes Kiwis have the mentality, oh, well, that's their suffering. I'm just getting on with my life. That's not biblical. That's selfish. This is biblical. There's a newspaper article I read this week, and I forgot to put it in here, but you can Google it anyway if you want. It's a lady called Joyce Carol Vincent. Remember her name? Joyce K. 
Carol Vincent. She laid dead recently in her home for two and a half years. And nobody knew. Not her neighbor. And the TV was on all that time. Well, had the power get paid, automatic payments. People thought they were there because they, the, uh, the, they thought the, the smell was just, oh, that's right, the trash can's outside. Two and a half years. That's tragic. No one should ever have to die alone. Imagine the despair. That's reality. You can read it. Her name was Joyce Carol Vincent. So I want you to write out the side there. Community is God's answer to despair. Countercultural, this message. The Bible says this. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who are weep. And you do that in the group. Celebrating is easy peasy, right? We all love to have a party. <laughs> we were at one yesterday. But we often don't know how to handle the tears. We feel uncomfortable about that. Now, I want to give you a quick tip. Anytime there's tears, it's normally a signal to stop and to pray. Let's stop and pray right now, Bob. That's a good sign. You don't have to fix people's problems. You're not on the hook for that. But sometimes you just need to sit with them in silence. Remember that. Sometimes we back away because I don't know what to say. I know. But to show up. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and strengthen one another. Can you do that? to somebody this week, not in your own family. The fifth reason I need others is I need others to witness with me. What do you mean by that? Well, you have a life message that God wants you to share with the world. That is absolutely paramount. It is part of your mission. If we don't get this done, we've missed it. There's great power in group witness. Well, how do you witness best? Well, what impresses the community most is when we love. Your love for one another, the Bible says. Your love for one another. So, your love for one another. X sands your family for a moment. Even criminals do that. Jesus used the same analogy. He said, even the heathen do that. And this verse here, your love for one another will prove that the, uh, to the world that you're my disciples. Are you loving others in God's family? When you're truly in God's family, you start to love others in God's family. Because remember, that's all you're going to have in heaven for eternity. Now the one thing that proves to the world that we're as follows is our love for one another. And the problem is, the longer you're a follower of Jesus, by the way, there's a, uh, an associated problem with this. The fewer non-believers you have as friends. And you start, a very strange phenomenon happens. You start actually to be afraid of them in a way. And the Bible addresses that one correctly. In 2 Timothy 1, it says, The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise, not in your own sight, but from God's word, and to be strong because you're encouraged by him, and to love them and enjoy being with them. Now, I've often asked you, will anybody be in heaven because of you? That's a sobering question. 
But if you'll get in your small group for the next six weeks and watch the videos, and if you'll invite an unreached friend, that will help you say yes by the end of these 40 days. So I invite you to invite somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And together we can do it in community. So on this one, right, God's answer to fear is community. Bring them along to the barbecue, to the social event, to the, to the, to the barbecue or, or, the, or the tea that you have. But at least reach out to some unchurched people who you wouldn't normally maybe invite to A, B, or C. But they're, they're happy to come to a barbie. The Bible says this. You're working together and struggling side by side to get others. Why? Why are we working together and struggling side by side? The Bible says there, to get others to believe the good news. Is there any intentionality in your group to do this? Or is it the chosen, frozen few that gather together? God wants us to reach out, to struggle, yes, side by side, together. That's the whole idea. Like in a rugby team. To get others across the line. To believe the good news. Is there, imagine if the All Blacks just wandered around the field and I don't know, had a cup of tea on the sidelines. I mean, that's not what this is about. That's the wrong rules of the game. If I think they're going to win the game by sitting in the corner or with their boots off, they're delusional. This verse here, that one right there, includes two of the goals of 40 Days of Community. And the first one is to deepen community within our church. And the second is to reach out to the community around our church. Both have to be true. So we need each other. We need other believers to walk with us and to work with us and to watch out for us and to weep with us and wait with us. And, we, and lastly, to witness with us. I'm going to close here. Just as I close, I want to say this to you. That New Hope's middle name is Community. New Hope Community Church. And we want to make an impact. But to do that, we need participation in that. And there are five reasons I've just given you why you need a small group. And the point is you can only expect this from others in God's family if I am doing it with them. God chose you to be at New Hope at this point in time because he wants to impart this message to you and he wants to work through you. He didn't bring you to this church or to any part of his church to ever be just spectators so you can watch from the sidelines. He designed you to be contributors to his kingdom. And he brought you here because he wants you to be leaders and that means to influence others and to be involved in it. See, friends, you cannot learn about community without being in community. And finally, the last sentence I want to give you is he doesn't want you sitting on the sidelines. Give him your life and get in the game. Let's pray. Father, we sense that, Lord, your church all around the world is being called to be a fellowship of love and community. Please begin in our hearts. Maybe you say to God yourself, if this fits you, Dear God, forgive me for the times that I felt like I didn't need other people in my life. Would you say to God, I want to be part of what you're doing in your family and through your family, the church. 
I want to experience real community because, Lord, I'm sure over superficial relationships. I want to learn to really love and to be loved in a deeper way. Father, I open my life to your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Would you accept me as part of your family? For they have an eternal place to belong. Thank you for this place to belong and to grow. I do not want to be a passive follower anymore. Today I commit to getting into a small group so I can learn more about community. Please bless our church family as we do this in the 40 days of community. In your name I pray. Amen.